Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. I'm doing. I have no idea. Do you have something on your back? No, no. You need me to scratch? No, no. I'm I'm pressing my button. You're pressing your button. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sometimes you press my buttons. Yeah. Numerous ones, but I don't get this. It's like a yoga pose or something. Oh, it's a reset button. A reset button. Yeah. I don't. I really still don't get it. No, my baseline reset button. You you know what that is, right? Baseline reset button. We all have an emotional baseline. Okay, yeah. And then if you find yourself getting a little this or that, you know, for instance, maybe I'm pushing your button. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought your reset button was something that was easy to do. Reset buttons are supposed to be easy. Why supposed is yours in the easy middle of your back? Well, because I, well, you want to be able to do it in public. And you can't, for example, use something easier. What if I was up my nose or something? I wouldn't want to do that in public. Or if I was pulling on my ear. You have a lot of surface area on your body that is fine to touch in public that is still easily accessible. But nobody will see it behind my back. You're just strange, I think, is the problem. (sighs) Thankfully, you've been working on your foundation long enough that when I tell you those things about how strange you are. I didn't take offense. No, you're just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you... Born with it, baby. Could have used it. A word besides strange. Oh, like, come on now. Okay, okay. Yeah, working on the baseline. That's an easy thing to let go of. I think in my life especially, I think, oh, everything's fine. It's dandy. It's hunky-dory. It's peach keen. Whatever adjectives you want to put in there. I don't need to do any work on this until all of a sudden, boom, I get hit with a super bad mood down into the black hole. Down spiral you of doom. No, isn't it like that? And we think, oh, life's just happening to us and this and that. I'm really just in a bad mood because my dog puked on my brand, brand new, new shoes. shoes. Right. You don't usually have brand new shoes, but if you did, that would be really sad. Yeah. Wouldn't that be sad? <laughs> okay, so let's t- let's tell people who are listening what we're talking about here with the baseline foundation, etc. It almost sounds like we're talking about makeup or something. <laughs> Does my baseline foundation look okay? Yeah, that's what we're doing. We switch our whole podcast around. <laughs> this is all now a beauty podcast. <laughs> beauty podcast. Beauty podcast. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Baseline foundation. This is emotional and mental, right? Yeah. Where we, you can think of it as where you return to after your emotions have been going crazy in some way or another. Could be good crazy, bad crazy, but we always have this baseline that we return to. It's like your heart rate. Got your baseline heart rate. Let's say my resting heart rate is 64, and then I go out for a run, bring it up to 90 or whatever, and then I get back, it's going to return back to 64. But we all know if we continually exercise, that Oh, a couple of weeks from now, mine might be down at 63 as my baseline. Because mm. it's going to get a little bit healthier as we go. And same thing with our emotional mental baseline. We can change where it is. You know, we're probably born with and then brought up with by the time we're, let's say, 10 years old. Or, well, you know, yeah, Mirabelle started way earlier yeah. than Liliana. I think I can see that, how it's not necessarily totally under your control because how you're born and who your parents and grandparents, your genealogy, 
I'm not saying genetics is entirely responsible for this, but that's a part of it. And then your surroundings. So nature and nurture oh, yeah. is going to give you a beginning baseline foundation that you're going to start with. Yeah. And then, of course, you can change it. Right. Sometime in your life, hopefully, somebody's going to come along and tell you, you have this thing called a baseline and you can change it. And over time, that baseline foundation can go down, down, down so that your baseline is more just kind of like this. Mm. Or over time, you Eeyore? can... Yeah, exactly. Or you can raise it up over time and have it be more positive. It's up to us. Of course, we don't know that usually, so it just is going to fluctuate throughout our lives yeah, based on our externals. Because I grew up thinking, well, that's just how I am. Mm. I'm just a blank, fill-in-the-blank person. Don't you hear that all the time? I am just depressed, a depressed person. I am... I'm usually anxious. Yeah. I'm an anxious person. I'm just nervous. I'm just frightened. Still reminds me of furniture in the house. I I always think about that analogy. Well, because you think, okay, I've got the big heavy couch. I mean, obviously we live in a yurt, so it's a little different. Whatever it might be, your bedroom with your heavy dresser and your big bed. Oh, once you put it there, that's kind of how it stays. Yeah. But... I've known people who you walk in and every week their living room is rearranged. Change it I want to try something different. No, I got rid of that piece of furniture and I put that over there. It's the same with the baseline foundation. We are not just anxious, depressed, whatever, quick to anger, whatever negatives you want to fill in. We're not just that. Those are not our inherited traits. We can change that just like you can change your living room or your bedroom. And we should realize that in a way they actually are inherited traits for some of us because we're all going to have a genetic predisposition. And for some of us, that means that we're dealing with clinical depression or really severe anxiety. And so there's strong feelings that we are having a lot of trouble navigating around. And I'm, it's not realistic, perhaps, that I have that and I'm dealing with severe anxiety and I think I'm just going to become a Buddha next year. But I can shift it at least a little bit. So we always have the ability to make some change. And I can go from being pretty anxious and having anxiety disorder and I can go plunging into more and more anxiety or as we know from some of the forest monks we've worked with they can have a strong diagnosis but they can shift that over time Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're not going to have those bouts with anxiety still coming on but they're going to be able to moderate them in different ways and shift them in different ways because they've raised that baseline up a little bit right well their place that they resettle is going to be a different place, one mm-hmm. that is going to be slightly healthier or slightly more relaxed. And I do see that, that there are people out there that are dealing with stuff, and yet you can make changes that, I've got to say, if you're coming from a place like that, though sometimes those changes, they might seem small to other people, but they're significant to those of us that are dealing with some of those issues. Yeah, it's really powerful stuff. I think it would be really valuable for us to really challenge that paradigm that you are this or that. And I, I realize that we're kind of in a rare circumstance and that we get to see people come out into the woods. They can have diagnoses, but over three, four months, we've sometimes seen some really incredible changes in people's emotional baseline. So we know that changes can be made, but it's not easy. And it takes some really good guidance. And of course, how many people are going to have the advantage of being able to have nature for four months and the powerful changes that that can create. But we can create changes even if we don't have that four-month forest month program. And let's talk about how. Well, there's 
a number of things that that we can influence in our life now maybe as we were growing up we didn't have as much control over that sometimes as a child you just don't get your say oh yeah or get listened to but as grown-ups we can change our diet yeah our food and our water that we intake into us that's a huge one we don't often think about that but it has a powerful effect doesn't it absolutely i've heard people saying in many different circles what you eat can also affect how you're thinking how you're feeling and we know for athletes it affects performance for sure big time i feel like we see it with the forest monks they take that first two weeks where they go off of sugars and they go off of most carbs their mind shifts and changes in that time of course they're on a really healthy diet for four months and we see not only outward manifestations of reduced acne shinier hair healthier skin but We see mental changes happen in people where they just are more level. Mm -hmm. A lot of these processed foods, they keep us on a sugar up and down that has a profound effect, not just, we know, as you said, our gut is connected to our brain and our emotions. The gut bone's connected to the brain bone, and the brain bone's connected to the heart. (laughs) So along with food and, and water, definitely good, clean water, good sources of fuel for our bodies, is the way we move, our movement, getting up off that chair that we're in maybe more often than we want to be, and starting to add movement into everyday life. Again, a proven one. We know from numerous, numerous studies that movement, exercise, it changes our brain chemicals. So we've got two things right away that can help us with that foundation. Food, movement, give us more. Well, obviously there's stress. Stress levels, Ooh, huge one. Mm-hmm. Okay, reducing that stress, again, study after study after study is showing us that stress is gonna boom, really, really impact our overall health, our overall outlook on life our blood pressure, our inflammation, across the board. That's a big thing. And I'm thinking just simple things like sleep, too. We sometimes don't get enough sleep. Oh, sleep, yes. There's all of that category of self-care out there. Well, then there's stuff like relationships, who we surround ourselves with and have as our support group. Sometimes when I think about people getting into relationships, I'm kind of talking about any relationship, but here specifically I'm thinking about choosing a life partner of some kind, that this may be one of the most important decisions you make in your life, maybe the most important, because how that relationship plays out is going to determine when you come home and you get together, is all of your energy going to go into drama and fighting, or is it going to go into nurturing each other and lifting each other up? Mm -hmm. If it's the former, you're not going to have much energy for anything else. Yeah. 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 Plus, having the wrong partner can also influence all those other things. You want to eat clean, but they don't really want to. You want to exercise, but they'd rather go to a movie. How do you... Constant stress level. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, then there's other things I'm thinking of. Meditation, time in nature that we've mentioned that our forest monks get to have a lot of. Oh, yeah. I keep saying it over and over again. But we have got an upcoming episode, I think, on the power of nature. Mm, the to, healing power of the nature. The healing power of nature to transform our mentality, our emotional state. It's going to have a huge impact on our baseline. And meditation, boy, you hit on that last one, and that one is pretty important, I think. Because all these other things, sometimes we don't have as much power over those things as we want. 
We might not. Case in point with the partner who doesn't actually want to live necessarily in alignment with the way you want to, but you're not ready to give up that relationship. Meditation, mindfulness, taking deep breaths, those sorts of things on a daily basis can really help you to keep your foundation intact and to help strengthen it. So that's the one tool we always have. It's always with us. And we're going to have to talk a lot more about that in this episode because that is our our key. <laughs> well, our foundation is, if you think about it, that's going to color our entire life. That's going to determine how we react or respond to the life's challenges that get thrown at us, how we deal with things on a day-to-day basis, and some of those big life changes, a divorce or whatever else that might come unexpectedly into our life. It's a big, big difference if I have a nice, solid foundation that I can return to, or if I'm just on shaky territory all the time. So you're pointing out how important this foundation is, and actually just the knowledge of knowing that we have a foundation, we can raise it or lower it actively. That's a really good point because some things in life we will not be able to control. However, the foundation we have is something that we have the ability to build and grow all the time. When someone we lose somebody, then we're going to plunge into sadness and grief, but we know we're going to return to a baseline, and that can give people strength to get through some of that grieving process, is knowing that naturally you're going to return to that baseline. We get really mad at somebody. Same thing that's going to peak up and then we're going to return towards that baseline. It's the way our emotions work. And we have to qualify this a little bit because in ancient times, back when we were hunter-gatherers, our emotions probably returned to baseline pretty quickly. Our hunter-gatherer ancestors, they, at least in my mind, probably returned to a baseline much more quickly. It's very important to be aware of your environment. The saber-toothed tiger comes into camp, you fight it off, and then you're going to return to your baseline awareness instead of being, oh, all hyped up and excited and talking to each other, and then you're not even paying attention and the the mate of the (laughs) saber-toothed comes in and takes you by surprise. We had to be really aware. So that worked great for our ancestors. Stress comes in, then it leaves, everything returns back to its great foundation. In modern day times, there's stressors all the time. Stressors all the time. And we've all basically been trained into a different sort of emotional awareness, or should we say lack of awareness, where we don't even realize what's happening in our emotional lives a lot of the times. And so the result is that we can get off that baseline and stay off that baseline a lot longer. A traumatic enough event will then will sit off that baseline long enough that it starts to shift the baseline up or down and traumatic or a wonderful wonderful event mm-hmm. i can win the lottery and probably what happens is i get into such a high state of excitement that i'm no longer thinking smoothly or rationally i don't go right back down and think oh good i should invest this money wisely mm-hmm. and what am i going to do with it instead people get up into that excitement they continually fuel it and they spend all the money within two years and they're completely broke this is similar to what I was saying in the beginning, where I tend to start to ignore my foundation when things are going well. (laughs) So it almost seems anything super positive or anything super negative has a way of drawing us away from noticing our foundation. We just have to keep that foundation every day and stay the course so that we have it always there for us. Yeah, recognizing the power of your foundation 
And as we develop more mindfulness and more emotional resilience, then we're going to return to baseline more quickly. And then our baseline will stay a little bit steadier. When it's steady, we have conscious control of where our baseline goes. When it's based completely on externals, then our baseline is going to fluctuate up and down throughout our lives. A tough part, as we know, is that if it starts to go down too much, then that baseline starts to feed upon itself in a cycle. So I start to get down and then I see the world in a more down manner and then I don't really bring positive things to the relationships around me. Those relationships start to fall through. It's a negative feedback loop. For some people, it can become a negative feedback loop. On the flip side, like with the lottery, if we just get too up, then we're not going to sometimes realize when we're having good positive actions or when we're just jumping forward out of excitement mm-hmm. without any awareness of the collateral damage we're doing to ourselves not or other thinking people. it through yeah oh i think I, I, i've been there for sure <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm so happy i'm so excited who cares let's just do this and then later what was i thinking uh, clearly i was not so how can we all of us you and i and our listeners out there begin to strengthen this foundation well there's one thing that if you look at some of the yogic paths and stuff, sometimes it can become kind of ascetic where we're divorcing ourselves off from the world. And that can be an initial barrier to getting in touch with your baseline because when you first hear about your baseline, it can start to smack of, oh, I'm supposed to be steady state, calm all the oh, time. Sure. And that is actually not it. A strong baseline allows you to freely feel really sad or grieving because you know you're going to return to your strong base eventually. It allows you to have great excitement because you know that you can return to your base. It's really worth paying attention to this and finding a way to make it work for you. How you do it? Why? Well, you already talked about all kinds of things that we can shift in our life. Our relationships, our food, our stress level, time and nature, movement. But the one we really want to focus on today is meditation. Mm-hmm. That can be scary for some people. Well, what I immediately think of, being in the life that I am and the person that I am, and maybe some of you out there might think this way too, is I haven't got time for meditation. I don't have time for a regular daily practice. I, I just don't. Yeah, it's intimidating when you look and you read, let's say, yoga journal or something, and you read about people that devote two or three hours a day to their meditation practice. And you think, oh, whatever. Either they don't have kids or they must be getting up super early. <laughs> So that can turn us off right away. But we're here to tell you that meditation can be easy. The way I see it is that meditation has to be accessible. Whatever that means for you, you have to find a way that it is something that's easy for you to do. And then you will see the results after time and you will want to continue to do it more. The first thing that comes to my mind is tying your meditation onto a habit you already have. (laughs) Something that you do every day. Uh, You could take brushing your teeth. Yeah, going to the bathroom, washing the dishes is a classic one. That moment when you wake up and you're just laying in bed. When you lay down in bed, when you get into the car and you say, hey, I'm going to do just a one-minute meditation before I start the car. All these opportunities to tie it to an existing habit or an existing thing, a marker that we already have in our lives. Well, that also makes me think, that there are many different kinds of meditation. And I like to think of myself as having a meditation 
toolkit. Oh, if we can have a toolkit, then it's not just, oh, all right, it's a 20 minute breath meditation. That's the only thing I have. When am I going to fit that in? It's really easy oh, to not yeah, fit that in. Yeah, you're never going to do that. I just don't have 20 minutes today. But what if you have one breath meditation? That's in your toolkit. You look and you say, okay, I'm in the car. I just got cut off by a driver. I don't really want to respond like this. I need to settle down. I need to get back to my foundation. I'm going to do one breath right here, right now. Let's explain this one. Okay. One breath meditation. All you do is you hold yourself for the space of one breath to tuning in to that sensation of breathing. This takes for most of us maybe eight seconds. I think all of us have eight seconds to spare in our life. And you can do it anytime. It doesn't have to be with your eyes closed. So it can happen when you get cut off and you take one breath. Mm -hmm. You're still driving your car, hopefully. You're still paying attention. However, you're tuning in to where you're at, what you're looking at the world from, where yeah. you're looking at the Bring world Bring yourself from. down closer to your baseline so you don't get into an accident 40 feet more down the road because you're starting <laughs> to get into a rage. Now, the beautiful thing about the one breath meditation is that after that first breath, you have the option, completely optional, to do another one breath meditation. But the one breath meditation only lasts for one breath ever. So you do it. You can do another one if you want. You can do another one. That one breath meditation can turn into a 20 minute, three hour meditation. But each one, you're only there, only committing to that single breath. I know that I can do that in my life. I like that there's some easy solutions. What are some other ones? Well, should we talk about Dancing Monkey? Yeah, yeah, you, we were talking about that before. You share what that is. Dancing Monkey is kind of fun and it's good for beginning meditators because it tricks our mind Meditation usually has some aspect of focus to it. Now there's meditations that are open awareness, but in a way that's even its own kind of focus. So as we focus on things, we find that that is accompanied by, I'm gonna call it a mental pain. It's kind of difficult to keep our focus on something. Dancing monkey, it fools our focus part of our brain, the monkey mind part of our brain, and tricks it into focusing for a long duration. You can do this sitting, you can do it laying down. Let's say you're sitting, hey, let's make it nice. You're sitting down at a park mm. during lunch break and your back's against a tree and you look out and for the space of just, again, one breath, you're going to focus on that park bench over there. Then for the next breath, you're gonna shift to the focus on that pigeon. The next breath, you're gonna focus on that person that's walking. Oh, I like it. Basically, you're using that part of your brain that likes novelty to keep yourself always focused. Isn't it tricky? Yeah, I yeah. really like that. Oh, that's great. It's a super fun meditation that secretly trains your brain while you're kind of having a good time. So there are lots of different types of meditation. Do we have one more real quick that you would toss out there? It's a good one. Oh, loving kindness. Oh, loving kindness. That's wonderful. There is nothing like just making your mind focus on love. Mm, it gives you a really warm feeling. How do you do it? Well, the way that I do it, I typically get myself someplace comfortable so I can really focus on that. And I start with giving love to myself. Mm. And I am grateful to myself, my body, my mind, my heart, all of the things that I love about myself. And from there, I move onward to picking someone that I really love, could be a friend or a family member. And I let that love pour out of me and onto them. Sometimes I imagine sort of a pink or a green light emanating from my heart and wow. enveloping them. 
And then I try something a little more challenging and I go to somebody that I might not be on the best terms with or I just is kind of a little pain in my side or maybe it's someone I really love but lately we haven't been seeing eye to eye and I give them some love. Hmm. And it just keeps going onward and outward from there i spread that out to my community and then kind of over the planet and Uh. i surround the earth and for me personally at the end i like to send my love to nature or the divine or uh the source whatever you call it just that's beyond and within us all so that it's just love is everywhere that is beautiful Well, thanks, gosh. (laughs) So lots of amazing meditation, but there's also other tools that we can use. Like? Well, there's one that I use. I try to use every day. Ice cream. Ice cream is a great meditation tool. (laughs) I'm not sure if it falls into the diet, health part, if you were doing it on a daily basis. Organic, grass-fed ice cream. (laughs) I'm thinking of biofeedback. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, there's a lot of different apps that you can get out there, but... We have a little machine. I say machine, but it's just this small little thing. It doesn't really look like a machine. And Mm. it's for heart rate variability, which is wonderful. In a nutshell, it's getting your heart rate and your breath to kind of sync together. Yeah. But there's a lot more to it than that. We get to use it with the forest monks. And over time, you can start to track how much you're just uh, getting in rhythm with yourself. Mm -hmm. How much your mind, I mean, they get to see right there on the screen how their mind affects their heart rate, and then we know affects your physiology. Absolutely. And it's just a good meditation tool because as we get to sit there and watch the waves of our heart rate variability, we watch through biofeedback, that's the beauty of it. We watch and we see, what do I do? What do I feel? How do Mm -hmm. I breathe? How do I sit? And how does that affect what's going on in my physiology? So biofeedback, if you can find a good tool, can do a lot for you. We invested, it's in the, it's called the M-Wave 2. And we'll put it in the page, yeah. the podcast page. And there's people that say, wow, it's amazing. And there's people that say it's a little bunky. But whatever the case, it does allow you to watch what's happening with your heart rate variability over time. It does allow you to watch how you can sync it up with your breathing. And that makes a huge difference for me. I know I can instantly go into that state that kind of breathing state and it calms me down and you love visualization i love visualization i love adding visualization to my meditation tools what i love about visualization is that for me personally it allows me to help my physical body relax even more so one example might be that example we had with getting cut off by another driver and I'm going to do my one breath meditation instead of just doing a breath and focusing just on the breath which is valuable in its own right For me, sometimes it's more powerful if as I do it, I imagine myself floating in some tropical waters and all my muscles are relaxing. I try to put myself in a place where my mind and my body would automatically feel relaxed if that's what I'm going for. That is nice. I had one this morning. When I woke up, you had taken the dog for a walk because I was in bed for a long time this morning because I wasn't sleeping very well. And I took... Wow, listen to that guy. (laughs) A woodpecker. Woodpecker. And I took the opportunity to imagine myself, visualize myself waking up with you in the way that I wanted to wake up with you. And then it just brought all those warm feelings. And usually we get to wake up together. It's wonderful. 
once in a while, life throws a curveball, but you can use visualization in a way like that to get the little foundational thing that you need, because that connection is really important to me, that I didn't get in real life, I can get it through visualization. Yes, good point. And I sometimes use visualization now that you mentioned that. If I'm in a situation and I'm not responding the way I want to respond, I can use visualization to help myself go within, sort of, and ask, how do I want to be? How is my Mm. highest, best self going to respond? And if I visualize that, it may not come out of me that way perfectly, but I feel that it elevates my foundation. It reminds me that my foundation is there and that that's where I want to come from. And I think that's an important thing I want to bring up here is acknowledging your initial response to something. When a challenge presents itself in life, how do you have, what's the window, the pop-up window? Noticing the pop-up window that says, oh, get really mad or oh, get depressed and disappointed. Noticing, just noticing that is so powerful because it gives us our own power to decide, how do I want to meet that? Oh, look it. There's how I want to respond, but wait, can I scale it back? Can I come back to my foundation? Now, how do I want to proceed? That's beautiful. That's, to me, that's, in my language, the difference between reaction and response. In comes the stimulus, and we're going to have a reaction, which means we just let it push us in whichever direction it wants us to go, or we can look at it, we can respond, and that's a great way to bring us into response. Nice. Yeah. And it's always important to remember that if we've gone down the road a few feet or miles in reaction, it's always okay to stop and say, wait, okay, back up. I didn't mean to react that way. I reacted because I got mad. I can see a bit more clearly what's really going on is that I'm hurt or whatever it is that we need to express. And we can move from reaction wherever we are and into response. Speaking of visualizing, Mm -hmm. close your eyes. Okay. Visualize all the wonderful people who allow this to be a reality makes me smile (laughs) thank you thank you to all of you out there who support us in various different ways and especially to our patrons through paypal and patreon you are incredible incredible people who not only make our lives wonderful but make the world go around so thank you thank you from the bottom of our hearts Come to rewildu.com, R-E-W-I-L-D-U.com, and you can become a patron yourself through PayPal or Patreon, easy buttons to hit, and even a little bit helps us to bring these podcasts, the videos, Mirabelle's channel, and the upcoming 100% project to the world. Oh, my goodness. All thanks to you. And it makes me smile. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it is time for you to unleash your Your life. life. Action points. That meditation toolbox. Oh, yes. Make one for yourself. And the fun part about it is that you get to go out and find or make up your own meditations or creative visualization or could be biofeedback and put all your favorite ones together have some that are just a one breath have some that are longer and use them at different times when you need them but remember daily 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 so important in that toolbox it allows you to meet any situation with meditation again from that one breath to, hey, I'm going to give myself a day-long meditation retreat Mm, today. That sounds incredible. Good way to spend the weekend. 
Okay, action point number two. I want to talk about this reset button. The reset button? Yeah. Okay. So Seriously now? I'll be serious about it. This is a great tool for, we first learned about it when someone said, put your hand on your heart. If you're starting to feel like you are falling into anger or frustration or something like that and you don't feel like it's appropriate, put your hand on your heart and it tends to relax you. Now we can add to the power of it by choosing your button. And I'm, let's say it's going to be putting your hand on your heart. I'm going to put my hand on my heart and I'm doing this in good times when I'm at my baseline. And I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to feel that baseline feeling. Oh, I just feel good. I feel calm. I feel generally positive. I've set that in now. I'm starting to create a button. I'm going to do this as often as I can think of it because I'm trying to create an association. And then that time when I catch myself getting really worked up, that person cut me off and I'm really feeling mm, it. Hand on your heart. Oh, put my hand on my heart. Mm. And we've trained ourselves over time. That's going to bring us closer back to baseline. Now, you might have to put the hand on the heart once really hard. or twice, right? <laughs> Press that button. Wake up. <laughs> and really get it set in. If you do so, it can bring you down. It's a great little trick tool. Oh, I like it. Plus, it makes me feel like a guinea pig, as though huh. I'm experimenting on myself, training myself. Oh, yeah. By power of association. Cool. Huh? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> number three. <laughs> yeah, action point number three. What do we got? Solution-based thinking. Oh, tell me about that. Let's train ourselves into this. Life brings us all these challenges. Life brings us all these, quote, problems. These things coming in at us. And it seems like every day we're going to experience some of these things usually, unless we have a really charmed life. When one of those things comes in, I have a choice. I can choose to just go into reaction where my mind wants to take me or I can choose to find a solution. So the neighbor comes over and they yell at me again because my cat was over hunting the their songbirds. songbirds, right? There is the challenge coming into my life. I like how you've called it a challenge. I think that's the first thing. If you can put a twist on it, a problem becomes a challenge. Definitely, yeah. Problems seem often kind of insurmountable. Yeah, and there's something that bother you, they're negative, whereas a challenge, if you can rise to the challenge, there's a sense of pride. That's right. Yeah. Now I can start going, oh, my mind wants to take me. Okay, but they always mow the lawn over too far into mine. I mean, <laughs> it's ran the over points, my right? daisies. <laughs> right. And why do they feed their birds where they're feeding them? They could move them up higher and then the cat wouldn't be a big deal and, and start on and really, on. Yeah, going yeah. down that road. It's definitely not a solution. If I think of solutions, then I can say, okay, what is a viable solution? Maybe I'll go online and I'll find these really interesting cat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are they? They're some kind of a cat collar thingy. kind of thingy. But that that save like thousands of songbirds. Yes. And it doesn't jingle or anything. And it looks so ridiculously cute on your cat that you're going to laugh at your cat all the time and they'll bring you even more pleasure and it protects the songbirds. That might be the solution to that part of the problem. No, there's deeper right. parts of this problem, but as I take each of those problems, I turn them into challenges, and I look at them in this new light, I can start to take them on either one by one, the superficial ones, or I might see, wow, actually the biggest challenge here is that I have a pretty crappy relationship with my neighbor, mm -hmm. and I need to go over and bring them a carrot cake 
and sit down and Ooh, say, is that what you give your neighbors? How come uh, I don't get carrot cakes? <laughs> Maybe I should complain more. Yeah. <laughs> Open the channel of communication. Yeah. Open channels of communication. Say, are let's awesome. talk. It's hard to live next to each other. That's not fun for either of us. Let's make it fun to live next to each other. How could we do that? Then people can voice their, their frustrations and everything, and it can come out in a real positive way. Mm, I like that. Wow. Solution-based thinking. Give it a try. Give it a try. And I know I haven't, we haven't said this for a while, but keep up with the rewilding journey that you're on because you have the answers within you, and you have an incredible foundation, all your own. And I know that just through awareness through paying attention to yourself and to the way you look at the world you're going to build that foundation until it's something super strong own it that foundation is yours when you own it then you start to be able to change it and shift it you can make it work for you instead of against you that's how so many of these things work it's what i love about rewilding is it says let's take all these secret things that are kind of just cultural upbringing out of the dark let's expose them and explore them Absolutely. Wow, lovely. Okay, so do you think that we could go and get you a new reset button? How about tip of my chin? Oh, yeah. I look like the thinker. Yeah, that, I like that. That yeah. could work for you. That could work yeah. for you. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the tip of your nose. And then isn't oh, there something about on. Santa Claus in the tip? <laughs> Seriously. Okay, we love you all. We're going to go have this squabble someplace else. <laughs>